You're listening to The Zen Courses Show, episode 25. Welcome to The Zen Courses Show, the show for online course creators who care about building actionable, meaningful, and profitable online courses. If you're a solo entrepreneur, tech geek, or creative, The Zen Courses Show is the place to get expert advice for creating your online course, overcoming overwhelm, and growing a balanced business. To get the full experience, sign up at zencourses.co, where you'll get access to free lessons, resources, and more. Again, that's zencourses.co. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in today. I am excited to chat with Brent Weaver on the show. Brent is a web designer turned marketing consultant. And in 2012, he founded YouGurus.com, where he and his team create online courses that teach web professionals how to build successful businesses. He's here to talk about his flagship course and community, 10K Bootcamp. Brent, welcome to the Zen Courses Show. Thanks, Janelle. Great to be here. So is there anything you want to add to that intro? Can you tell us anything more about yourself and the work you do? Uh, I mean, you pretty much got it. I mean, we're a, a business school for web designers and web professionals. So where you help people that are uh, either have a business uh, doing that kind of work or are looking to start it. We help them to accelerate and grow that into something that helps them live an amazing life. So that's uh, we do that through uh, online courses. We do a lot of video stuff. We do a lot of uh, mentor-led live coaching and training. Uh, we've really started to explore internet-based platforms to deliver our programs, not just self-paced videos. So hopefully I can give your audience as much insight into uh, the process, what it takes to make that happen, what it takes to deliver those courses, sell those courses, uh, monetize that knowledge and information, not monetize that coaching, uh, pretty much anything that I can tell you guys about how we operate. Uh, I'd love to do that today. Yeah, very cool. I'm excited to get into it. So where, where are you calling in from? Where are, we, are you still in Denver? Yeah, our our team is based in Denver. You know, it's kind of funny. Our our product and our customers are all over the world. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs, web entrepreneurs, love to have their team all over the world. Uh, but we actually have uh, a brick and mortar office. We have seven full time people uh, that work on our team. So uh, we're all based here in Denver, Colorado. Nice. Okay, so let's have some fun and help people get to know you a bit. I've got five quick questions for you. Are you ready? Should I be scared? <laughs> <laughs> were, were these on the notes or am I like, no, I'm just, we'll, we'll, we'll go for everything. Nah, it's not too scary. It's not scary. All right. The, the first one is easy. Early bird or night owl? A little bit of both. But uh, I have a, uh, I do get creative night owl creativity, uh, early bird productivity. So depending on what kind of work I need to do, uh, I kind of oscillate between the two. But my 18 uh, month old son, uh, <laughs> Much makes wake up time around four thirty to five every day. Yeah, definitely. He's calling the shots. Okay, number two. Speaking of birds, do you still have chickens? <laughs> uh, I do. I do have. Uh, I, I'm down to two chickens in the backyard. We we lost one to uh, a pretty bad cold we had about a year ago, but uh, we have two chickens in the backyard, and uh, that is definitely uh, still still a part of my life. <laughs> cool. All right. And number three, if you weren't or fill in the blank, if I weren't doing the line of work I am today, I would be blank. Uh, writing a novel. Okay. Yeah. 
I figured you had uh, some aspirations for writing. I've been following your, your articles. Very cool. Number four, what is your favorite card or board game? Definitely Monopoly. <laughs> without, without a doubt. Monopoly. How did I know it you actually, were going to say that? <laughs> I cannot. My wife and I, um, we used to have like these Monopoly. We'd play like once a week and we'd bring like, have like family over or whatever. And it, it was actually causing me a lot of stress in my life. <laughs> Because no matter how much strategy you bring to the table of Monopoly, no matter how much like you know kind of like what to do, there is still an insane amount of luck. And like I would like when I would lose Monopoly, it would cause me a lot of stress. So we, we kind of like we had to like tone down how often we play, but we still we still hit once every couple of months. Are you a bad loser at, at games? <laughs> I uh, is that what I'm hearing? It just causes me stress. Right? It just... I'm I'm the same way. It's not judgment. I'm the same way. <laughs> Any other game is like totally chill. For some reason, Monopoly just like it's just uh, you know it's unfair. Like if 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 my wife lands on free parking like six times in a row, it's just it's just not fair. Anyway. Okay, we're going to move on because I feel like we're triggering something. So we're going to move on to the last question. Name one entrepreneur, male or female, who has had a big influence on you. Oh, one? That's, Just that's one. a tough one. Um, uh, one entrepreneur that's had a big influence on me. So uh, oh, man, I have like a laundry list in my head. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out just recently. I mean, I, I'd probably put Gino Wickman, uh, the guy who created EOS entrepreneur operating system. He wrote a book called traction, uh, get a grip. Um, that's probably been one of the biggest tools and systems that we've implemented in the last couple of years. It's taken an insane amount of work to, to apply those concepts with discipline. Um, and there's so many other like, you know, uh, rabbit holes that he's led us to in terms of influencers for building a great company. But uh, I think it kind of starts there. I mean, I could probably list off 50 others that are strong influence, but that's been probably the biggest change for us in the last couple of years. Cool. All right, Brent. Good job on the five questions. Rumor has it that you are one of those lemonade-standing, mailbox-checking childhood entrepreneurs. So what was your favorite business as a child? Oh, I, I kind of want to know where you got you, you did your research. <laughs> I did my research. I did my research. <laughs> um, my favorite businesses as a child. So I did a few things. I mean, obviously, like a lemonade-stand was like interesting. Um, you know, I even – I mean – I literally like I learned how to draw and I would copy these cars out of these these like books and I would like sketch them like trace them and I would try to sell my art to like other classmates um when people like learn how to make like friendship bracelets and like trade them with one another like I created like a, a small team of people to produce uh bra like friendship bracelets and sell them to people right so it was like any little activity <laughs> that you did as a kid like other people are like oh cool like here's here's a bracelet I made for you I was like give me five bucks for that <laughs> Um, I had like a rollerblade repair uh, stand. Um, I sold seashells on the beach. That was probably one of the most early memories I have. I like put my cousins and my brother who are all way older than me. I put them to work like finding like the most beautiful seashells like on the beach. And then I basically like, sold them. Uh, you know, so there, there was definitely a lot of those types of businesses. We, we tried to sell. Uh, at one point in time, we started making potato guns and I'm trying to sell those. That was like a really bad idea for obvious reasons. I don't know if you know what a potato gun is, but yeah. So a lot of, there's a lot of that kind of scheming, I think early on, 
And I don't, you know, it's interesting, and I don't want to turn this into like a long lesson because I know these are quick hit questions, but I don't think anybody around me had ever identified like, hey, he might be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Right. Like, I think it's, um, and so like, I kind of went for like a really long time in my life, like even into my like early 20s without really understanding that identity or that part of me, that that identity being a part of me. Mm. Right. So, um, but yeah, definitely I uh, was doing a lot of that stuff. So if your kid is trying to like sell everything <laughs> that they get their hands on, uh, it just means they're going to be an entrepreneur. That's it. Yeah, that's interesting. Just a little sidebar. It's so funny because I've done a lot of these interviews and it's a split. It's like 50-50. There's a group of people who are like you who have had these childhood experiences of selling anything they could get their hands on. And then there's another group of people, which I'm part of, who are just like, I can't be an employee. I don't work. I, I'm not. I'm unemployable. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. And that's it just falls that spread. It's It's very cool. So. All right. So let's kind of switch gears a little bit. Um, Let's talk about that transition. So you ran Hot Press Web, uh, I believe you were a web designer and you had a uh, business partner there and then you decided to get into marketing and that led to you gurus. Let's talk about that transition. Was it an organic one? Did you intentionally say, I'm ready to stop working with clients and create you euros and have products? Uh, I would say it's kind of a, there was definitely a transition period, um, you know, like from a legal business structure, there's there's a clean break, there's a before, there's an after. Um, but when we had the agency, uh, you know, I, I tell people this a lot, like we kind of started to try to find you know, to dabble in areas, you know, that interested us. And so, you know, capturing, like, I've always created a lot of content. I've, I've blogged, you know, off and on for our business. And, and so that kind of started turning into like some, some early monetization of information through videos and things like that. So we had our agency started to sell videos about how to do some of the stuff that we're doing in our agency to a very niche market. And, um, you know, repackaging our exhaust or sawdust, however you want to put that. And and that started generating a little bit of money for us. Uh, we realized it kind of started becoming, going from just a little bit of money to kind of like a passion of ours. Um, and then it was kind of like this, this, there's, there's real potential here and starting to really question um, what we wanted to do with the rest of our lives. And, and just to kind of set the story straight, uh, my business partner and I started our our web agency. What became a web agency? We started that in high school. We were seventeen years old. We started building websites for people. Um, not a huge amount of foresight as a seventeen year old, right? It's not like we were some like entrepreneurial savants. We just like wanted to make some extra money. So, you know, to to spend the rest of your life doing something that you just started doing kind of in high school, I, I don't think we'd really ever asked ourselves, like, what do we want to do with the rest of our life? We just kind of woke up one day and we had this successful web agency. And, and you're right. We went from websites, creating websites. You know, most websites exist at a marketing function. We started adding marketing services at, as an agency and, and growing that way. Uh, and we really loved creating a business together. But then we had this other thing that we started doing, which was creating these these web information and uh, education products. Right. And so it just you know, kind of an inflection point in our lives. Like, Hey, do we want to go keep doing this thing that we're doing or do we want to do something new? And, and, and we, we both felt very passionately about um, this new thing that we'd created. And, and so we decided to pursue that. So, I mean, I love both businesses. Uh, there's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of similarities with both. Yep. Um, you know, we ultimately uh, just found kind of our sweet spot. Mm. Gotcha. 
So you're in a point where you and your business partner are both ready to move on to the next thing. What was it about teaching and online courses that resonated with you and made you say, this is the next thing? Um, you know, I guess probably two things. I mean, one was we had spent a lot of time building websites and products for other companies. Um, and we really kind of got a lot, a huge amount of experience uh, in doing that, a huge amount of experience about in business and how to build great online presences and all, all the things that you help your clients do. And I think we, we really had a desire to eventually do that for ourselves, right? Be kind of a one client company, so to speak, where, where we were our own clients. So that, that kind of, that, you know, you have hundreds and hundreds of clients, I mean, probably a thousand projects over, over 12 years. And eventually you kind of say, man, I wonder what it would be like if we could just do all this stuff for our own self and our own business. Right. So there was that going on. Uh, and then without a doubt, the impact, uh, the transformation that we were having kind of as a side thing in our agency, the side thing that we were doing, the transformation impact that we had on other entrepreneurs was, uh, unavoidable. It's just the, the stories, the six page letters of, you know, I followed your sales process and here's what it did to my business and it totally transformed my life and I paid off all my debt and I can, you know, pay for my kids' school now and I went on my first vacation in three years and, but, you know, like all the, like those stories just started to kind of like drip in. Like we're getting these like random thank you cards and these emails, these letters. People were sending like cakes to our office and cinnamon rolls and like <laughs> all this stuff was happening and we're like, it but it was still like this other thing. This side thing that we weren't really spending much time in. Like we'd spend five to 10% of our time in a week creating like content courses for people. And like people were sending us like, you know, gift baskets at the end of the year because we like literally completely transformed their life. And that we just said, Hey, this is, this is really cool. And what if we did that full time? What if that was like only the only thing that we did would, would, would we get, you know, even more from that? Like, would we be able to create even more impact in the world by really like leaning into that strength? Yeah. Just listening, I think is, is the key takeaway there, which is kind of a key thread that I hear a lot of people, successful people say, you know, when they just listened, they saw people respond and they listened to it and, and went with that, even if they were a little bit afraid. Okay. So when did you decide to, when did you decide to create your courses? I know you have a few courses up and then you have 10K Bootcamp, which we're going to talk about. Um, but what was your business model? Was it always what you have on YouGurus.com now or how did it start? So the, the property that we built before YouGurus, it's, it's called BC Gurus. It's mm -hmm. specific to the business catalyst market. Uh, that's a product that Adobe owns. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a small market. Um, it's very technology oriented. So that's kind of where we started. That website still exists. It's still operational, still, um, you know, have a lot of tons of content specific to that market, but you know, BC professionals are web professionals. So we kind of dipped our toe into helping web professionals with their businesses. So, so that product has existed since 2010 and there's hundreds of courses on that website, templates, all sorts of stuff that we've done in that market. So when we created YouGurus and our first product, which was the web design sales kit, uh, it wasn't like we just kind of came out of nowhere, right? Like right. we created that in 2013, like the spring, summer 2013. And um, so it's, it's like we had created a lot of content and a lot of programs. Like we had been, had contracts with Adobe to create 
content for their communities and things like that. So like by the time we created the web design sales kit, um, it wasn't like that. Was, it kind of almost appears like that could be our first course that we ever created, but it, it really wasn't. And um, it, it's not like I'm trying to say that we were this overnight success that we weren't, but it just wasn't our first attempt at a course. Right. Um, so we did a really cool launch around that. And, um, and, and that product sold really, really well. But the reality is, is that there's a limit to the impact that self-paced courses can have. So yep. scalability, uh, check. You can distribute a digital product to as many people that want to buy it. Um, but there's also kind of this, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody that actually sells just courses out there. If you ever follow up with your customers that purchase those courses uh, or, or, or track um, engagement through the course, right? It drops off big time, just like in a YouTube video. Tons of people start the video, very few people finish the video, right? Like, yeah. So when you start to look at that, and if your goal is to actually not sell as many courses as you want, but actually create the most impact on your customers, you start to look at those numbers and it's a little bit discouraging. So, uh, you know, we studied a lot about social learning, about um, you know, what was working well in education, started to attend a lot of conferences and see some of the, the top trends of how people were getting others to take action on that type of material. And so we kind of, uh, after creating a few self-paced courses, um, we decided to kind of uh, try a different framework. Instead of selling something for, you know, a couple hundred bucks self-paced course, we tried it. We tried a much more uh, interactive program where it's like, I, and I thought about it. I said, you know, if I sell somebody this course, I have no idea if they're going to apply the concept. So how could I guarantee somebody that they would achieve X results in Y weeks if I have no idea if they're going to apply anything, right? Or if they're going to get stuck at some point in the videos where I say something that they just don't understand. And, you know, comments can only go so far. So that's basically where I said, look, I'm going to talk to these people every week for 10 weeks. And, uh, and I'm going to try to help them get to an end result. And so we did that. We tried it. It was a pilot. Um, we had about 30 people uh, jump on for the first version of that. And I you know, spent a huge amount of time directly with my customers week by week. They went through some videos. We had some group calls. We did one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I basically got to see like what are all the problems in applying the concepts that I'm teaching over video. And that's a very different experience than creating a video and just looking at sales. Right, exactly. So I just want to make sure we paint the picture for anyone listening. So you had BC Gurus, and I'm guessing, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the courses that you created when you when you started you Gurus, was that from questions that basically validated the need for those courses? Was that so? Like, did we did we know which were, courses we should create with right, you Gurus based on our old based on questions that you were getting from? customers, existing customers or other web professionals that you had developed a relationship with? Yeah, so so totally. A uh, couple of things that I did before creating the web design sales kit. Um, you know, so so with BC Gurus, we had asked that question to those web professionals for uh, a couple of years, which is, you know, what what keeps you up at night? What's your greatest challenge? Right. So I had been collecting those responses and building material for BC Gurus on that, on those questions for probably two to three years. Um, so by the time Web Design Sales Kit came along, it almost seemed like a natural transition for me. I was like, here's a big problem that exists, right? People can't get enough for the projects that they're working on. They don't know how to sell. Um, and so, and so we kind of went there first. 
Um, a couple other things that I did uh, before Web Design Sales Kit was I took on some, you know, some customers. I basically did some deep customer development where I worked with maybe six web professionals on a week by week level, uh, and just we just met every week. What are your greatest challenges? What's working for you this week? What's not? What are the obstacles you're faced with? How do we overcome those? So I did that with six web professionals for six months uh, every week. So that took up about an hour a week per web pro. Um, that was pure customer development. I, I literally didn't even charge for that. Um, so it was just figuring out kind of what are, wh- where, what is my customer's worldview and what's going on in their world, right? And then just building all those problems, building those solutions, testing solutions with them, trying to see what works, what, what doesn't. And then eventually that, you know, led me to be able to map out a full course um, without having, you know, it's like you can... I feel like anybody, even if they don't have the experience doing something, something can kind of create a course. But the question is always, does this actually work? Yeah, exactly. Like, does this like and not just work for you, but work for others, right? Your like, yep. yeah. So like that's that's a challenge. And I think there's so many courses out there right now, and yeah, I know I don't know if people are doing <laughs> that, right? Like I, I see courses launching on Udemy every day, and I even have seen courses where I see a course by somebody even in our industry where they're teaching other people how to sell and launch websites and I do the homework on them and they've launched like three websites with their business and I call you know and they'll they'll even reach out to me and say hey Brian I want to learn from you like can I can we talk about how you're doing this and how do you get you know how do I you know, sell more of my course. And I'm like, well, tell me where you've been and where you're coming from. And they're building this course and how to launch, how to sell more websites or whatever. And they like, haven't done it. And they, you know, so not to say that you can't do that. It's just like, you know, you, you should do some really, really deep customer development. Yeah. Something powerful about that. I'm so glad you brought that up because I wrote an article on that recently and, and just kind of observing the trajectory, which has been my own as well of working with clients or doing customer research in your case and learning what the problems are and helping solve those problems, just doing the work before you attempt to teach someone. Because creating courses is hard work. So it's not something that you want to take on lightly. You definitely want to feel like this is the next development. Um, cool. Yeah, and I, okay. I mean, obviously, you kind of touched on that, like, of having the experience, right? I mean, I, and I yeah. think I, I do get to lean on 12 years I mean, I pitched over a thousand websites. Our company worked on hundreds and hundreds of projects. We had, you know, lots of revenue to 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 drive experience from. So I have that as a uh, as an asset for myself, right? So if for anybody out there that is creating courses, you know, what are those things, those experiences that you have um, that you know you can draw expertise from? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's dive into 10K Bootcamp. You gave us a bit of an overview uh, or a snapshot rather into the course, but have some basic questions. Number one, when did you first launch 10K Bootcamp? I think April of 2014. Okay. So we're coming on just about two years. We're um, we're currently in, in the seventh uh, cohort right now of that program. And we are currently doing spinning up sales for the eighth, eighth cohort. Cool. Who's the ideal learner for the course? Uh, the ideal learner is a web professional um, that has basically their own business. So either a freelancer, a solopreneur, or um, somebody that uh, maybe they have a small team uh, doing less than a million dollars in annual revenue. So if you're doing over a million dollars in annual revenue, uh, definitely, you know, reach out to me, but, uh, that, that course might not be an ideal fit for you. So, you know, it's a lot of people that are in, you know, that are trying to grow that first six figures in annual income, um, all the way up to that, that million dollar mark. So that's web designers, web developers, web marketers, um, that are running their own business. 
I love how specific you are. More on that later, but we'll come back to that. So <laughs> you talked about, well, just because there are, there are some people who have courses and you say, okay, well, who's the course for? Eh, it's really, it's for anyone. No, it's not for anyone. <laughs> it's not for <laughs> I, anyone. I could go into a little bit more. I mean, some of the other constraints we look at, right, geography, um, you know, we do, because our program is delivered live, we have some geographic constraints um, that are, there's kind of loose, but I mean, English speaking is obviously a big one for us because we have, the programs are live. So it can't be like, I can understand English, but I can't speak English, right? Like, yeah. we, it, we literally have to, like, there's a question on our application that says, like, are you fluent English speaker? And if you say no, then we just don't let you in the program because it just doesn't work. And then if you, um, you know, if you are in from a, from a country that's not part of our target country, uh, we actually do have some additional questions and some vetting that we put you through because so much of it is live that we literally will be like, you know, we'll have to test your internet connection before you even enroll in program. Because if you can't connect and it's not a good connection, then it's going to impact our group's ability to function. Right. So there's, there's things like that that we do get even more specific on just because we know that, um, what, what it takes to make, yeah to actually make that impact in somebody's life. Exactly. In order to serve your learner, you have to know your learner. You have to know totally. who they are. Okay. So you talked earlier, you mentioned, you know, the whole point of courses is being able to achieve something, getting your learners to that point where they're able to do what you promise them. So what is the desired outcome or goal of this course? What will they be able to do when they complete the course? So our, uh, our goal, um, you know, it's kind of our basic our USP, our unique selling proposition is uh, the only online training program that teaches and challenges web professionals to sell and deliver their first $10,000 plus web project. So um, the 10K project benchmark is, is the thing that we're after over the course of that program. So we are very specific in that. Um, and if you don't really know much about websites, right, these are people that are building like a website and we're saying, hey, uh, we're going to help you sell your first $10,000 project. So, you know, the the status quo in the market is, you know, $1,000, $1,500, right? I, I was at that point at one point in time in my career, you know, we started doing things like changing, you know, our strategy, who we're going after as clients, our value prop, the services we're offering, how we structure our sales process, our project process, right? We, we teach them a ton of stuff to get them to that end goal but the end goal is very clear we're working them towards that that 10k project cool so i noticed with 10k bootcamp while your other courses have a specific price uh, this one is by application only why did you decide to go that route and has it been beneficial so it's a lot more expensive than our courses so um what we've no nobody very few people would find our program uh like through a cart and be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to buy this. This is thousands of dollars. Like this is going to help me. Right. Like it, when you're, when you're spending thousands of dollars on a program, uh, versus 50 bucks, right. Um, it's just a different buying process psychologically for somebody that if they're going to make that kind of investment, um, they, they just, they need a lot more attention. We need to understand where they're at a lot better. Um, and, and, and honestly we need to vet, um, we don't want anybody just to buy our product. If, if you're not a good fit for our program, uh, it causes all sorts of pro- problems because if you're, if you're in our program and you're in week one and you're like, I don't know if I'm a web professional, like it just throws off the whole, uh, vibe in the group. Cause everybody else is going, what do you mean? Like we're all web professionals. We're trying to sell our first 10 K project. We're trying to grow our agency. We're trying to, you know, scale up our revenue. We're trying to 
profit for once in our lives and you're sitting here wondering whether or not you're even should be in this profession right so so there's that kind of stuff like we don't want anybody in the program we want to make sure that they're committed to the outcome of the program because at the end of the day we're going to be judged um, on that right so we have a an unconditional 30-day guarantee and we put a ton of work at a per student level so it's not like like i could sell a digital course to somebody and, and refund them in 30 days and it really doesn't matter right i mean it's 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 you're selling the information it, it's zero cost of delivery uh, we put somebody into boot camp and um, there's a there's a much higher cost for us to deliver, right? We have uh, program managers that, that work with each individual student to make sure they're in the right group. We have mentors. We have uh, coaching and consulting fees that we have to pay uh, the mentors to, to, to deliver a program to each individual person. We have uh, overhead in terms of video conferencing technologies and support staff to be available during those video sessions. Um, so we have a lot of costs associated with an individual person coming into program. If they're not a good fit, and they come in, um, we spend a lot more money because uh, they're going to leave or we're going to kick them out. And, and so there's just that, that whole process. So in the early days of boot camp, we just let anybody in. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a huge problem, but we had like this 10% problem where, you know, 10% of the people just weren't right. And it was causing, um, there, were, there was just, it was affecting other people in the program. We took that really seriously. And then also the thing of, you know, if we can't promise somebody, not, not promise, it's the wrong word. Um, if we don't think we have a good chance at getting somebody to the results that we promise, then, um, then we just don't want them to be, to be participating, right? We, we want to make sure if we say, hey, look, your application was accepted. We think you have a really good chance of succeeding in this program. You know, we want that to be like a, a motivating factor for somebody, um, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, it does. So that begs the question, how do you measure success? This is this is a question I ask often, and everyone has a different answer, so I'm curious. Um, right. So one of the big ones is, you know, did you land a 10K project? Um, you know, what? so we do a pre-assessment and a post-assessment. Um, so we look at a handful of metrics for ourselves. Uh, one of them is is that that benchmark. Uh, another one is their uh, the average price of their last three projects. Um, the highest project that they've ever sold, uh, how much revenue they've done in the last uh, three months. So we look at their pre-program last three months. We look at their, then the program is about three months. So at the end of the program, we look at their last three months. And so we look at that and say, hey, where were they at before? Where are they at now? What was their average project, right? So if, if your average project coming in a program is, uh, is, is $2,000 and you leave program and the average price of your last three projects was $5,000, even if you didn't sell a 10K project during program, we go, hey, that that's pretty good, right? This person is now probably, you know, theoretically, they've doubled or more than doubled their their income. And that's that's really cool, right? So we look at a, a handful of different factors. Uh, and then on a more tactical level, we look at things like uh, attendance for each Easter weeks. Uh, are they completing their assignments? We call them missions and programs. So what's their mission completion percentage? Um, you know, so we look at some of those things at a weekly pulse, right? Are they attending? Are they logging into the portal? Are they are they commenting? Are they engaging? And if they're not, uh, we have a whole series of things that we do to get those folks to uh, to engage and 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 invest in the program, right? Because we just know that investing in themselves, taking the time, even though it's you know feels like time away from their business, if they're learning the new concepts and they're investing that time, we know that that positively correlates to their success because we measure that. Um, so if somebody's not engaging and they're giving us this, I don't have time for this. I have too many client fires, blah blah. blah then we have to basically kind of do a mindset pause in them and say, hey, look. 
you are having all these problems today because you've failed to invest in yourself and learn better ways of doing things. And we have to kind of triage that person and try to get them back into program, back into being successful. Mm-hmm. All of these things are insanely different than delivering self-paced video courses online. These are all things that we had to learn by you know doing this program over and over and over again. Cool. So let's talk about some of those differences as far as structure is concerned. Now, I know we, you mentioned some of some elements before. So it's a weekly 10-week program and you have small groups. What are some of the learning elements that are within the course to help that make sure that learning happens? So, yeah, we try to hit on, you know, multiple different like learning uh, I guess modalities or whatever, but you know, so in terms of delivering video content, making sure it's it's not too long, not too short, so giving them enough content to uh, learn some new things, so get a little bit more uh, business education, and then there's the relationship with the mentor and mentors uh, in the small group and in one-on-one time, they're going to basically work to help understand the specific individual and remove obstacles because that's going to be the biggest thing that keeps them from applying what they just learned in the videos is they get caught up on some little thing it's big to them but they get caught up on some little detail and then that holds them from moving forward Uh, we also have uh, an accountability system that runs in the weekly pulse so every week they have something that they're accountable for that they set for themselves Um, that's that's super effective um and uh, then they have their group, right? So they, 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 we have certain assignments and things where they have to connect with one another and, and do that. So they kind of, by being a program, they actually have like a, a support network, which is a really important part of being an entrepreneur. If you, if you try to be an entrepreneur uh, and, and not have a group of support, uh, you, you will not last, right? This is like, you have to have like, like group therapy, probably some one-on-one therapy because uh, your customers, like you can't go to them for, help right you can't be like hey i'm really upset about this because you're really mean to me and and you're not you're not paying me enough money right you can't talk to your customer about that. so so by the end of program i right, think they, they have that so there's there's like this basket of events that happen every week during program and um it's it's it, there's a lot there i pr- probably it would take us hours to go through and talk about all those different things that we've architected to to help that person feel like their um their hand is being held uh, at the same time, they're being thrown out of the nest. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I think you you listed off the, the key ones, the main tenants, just to recap for folks. So it's a, a 10-week program. It is, you have groups. It's, um, it's you, you have live videos, or I guess they're not webinars, but. Video conferencing, yeah. I'm guessing you use Hangouts or uh, something of that nature. Yeah, we, we don't we don't use Hangouts. So we use a, a different, a little bit more uh, enterprise technology, but um, just because of the reliability there and some of the other things we have to do with publishing those and, and uh, recording those, that content. So, so yeah, we have um, those weekly live sessions. We have some, some big sessions. We, we leverage uh, live stream uh, as a technology, um, some other elements where we can actually do like live TV webcast type stuff, but also have like real time engagement with students, um, you know, to do like w- literally like real whiteboard sessions, but it's like a TV cast, but then they're also tied in. So kind of that virtual classroom, we've started to kind of step up to what the technology out there allows us like what kind of tools and things like that that are out there um not just like straight up like hey we're on a go-to meeting like right like type your question right hey, we, we've used some of those tech we basically used every technology out there and so we use a variety of technologies to deliver that stuff 
Well, that's a good segue. Before we talk about process, what tools, since you have iterated, what tools do you use now? What do you, and what do you really like? What do you think is uh, very powerful for online courses these days? Um, so, I mean, on the, the delivery stuff, you know, we're using a lot of, um, you know, kind of WordPress plugin type stuff. Um, not a lot of exciting things to talk about there in terms of the, the website, but on the video side, I mean, zoom is a great tool, a great technology, um, have had a lot of good stuff there, uh, used live stream and some of the other live streaming platforms like Azure, Azure, Microsoft, Azure media, um, that's been interesting. We we did a lot of experimentation there, um, even having our own like live streaming servers set up with Amazon Cloud and, and some other things that we've we've since left. Um, YouTube uh, live streaming uh, has worked out really well for us. I mean, it's not ideal um, just because of the the quality that it delivers, um, but in terms of uh, it, it is pretty. Uh, uh, it does in it does integrate with some tools that we like. Uh, Webinar Jam has been helpful for us. Um, uh, we use a lot of, you know, a lot of Google docs, man, like the, the amount of spreadsheets and just that kind of stuff is, has been really, uh, important for us just like managing the amount of information, uh, and being able to like run rosters and following up with people and making sure that the students have done certain things. You know, we, we tried to build a lot of custom software to do that. And at the end of the day, we found that some of those just basic spreadsheeting type stuff was, was really more valuable to us in the long run. Uh, and, and probably our tool list, I probably have about 30 tools it takes to run the business. In terms of the learning stuff, definitely leveraging a lot of Zoom these days. Um, there's some, if, if you go deep into that platform, there's actually some really exciting things that if you couple that with a, a video studio, not just like a webcam. So having like a mixer and yeah. studio cameras, you can actually leverage that platform to do some really cool live video conferencing that actually is like a 720p program. Now, you mentioned assignments earlier. Are these like homework assignments that that your students are required to do and are they submitting them to their mentors? How's that part work? Some of that, some of both. Some of them are like publicly posting them to our our community. Some of them uh, come up in the weekly small groups and then some of that um, is uh, is, is done one-on-one with the mentor. So it varies a little bit, but they have like weekly missions and then some of those things actually involve other people. But yeah, there's, it, it varies. Okay, cool. So let's dig in. We would be remiss not to talk about process. So one of the things that I love about, I think I first discovered your courses about 18 months ago through a mutual friend of ours, and I was really blown away by the structure and the quality. So my first question before we get into your process is, there are so many entrepreneurs out there who are kind of of the mind that it doesn't have to to be top quality as long as it's done. And I was curious, why is it important for you that you guys invest so much time into the strategy, the content, and the production of your courses? Um, I mean, you know, a little bit of it is, I mean, obviously, you know, I feel like we're somewhat differentiated from the random, you know, screencast type course. Um, I think that the user in general, like we want to make the learning experience um, as as positive as possible to create the best outcome kind of for uh, the learner. So putting that time, I mean, so every every minute of content that you produce, especially if you're actually trying to get the user to do something, um, you have to be thinking about the fact that 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 individual, that learner, you're you're going to take up their time. 
you're going to make them do something, right? They're, I mean, ideally, they're going to take action and they're going to actually do what you've, you're telling them to do. And if you're, if you don't have a good strategy behind what you're actually trying to get them to do, and does this actually work, and are they going to get to the end result that they want? You know, you're going to have them like wasting their time. Like, I mean, I'm sure we all remember being in, in high school or whatever, and having that assignment from the teacher where you're like, I know this is BS. Like, you just don't want to give us a good assignment, and you just want to like you know, go back and do whatever it is you do. Like, you know, like you want to go hang out with the other teachers in the lounge or you want to, you know, uh, go on the internet and surf and read news because you don't really want to give us a good assignment, but you're going to take up our time anyways, right? Because you just need to keep us busy. So I really want to avoid keeping our students busy. I want to really make sure that the the things that we're asking them to do um, is getting them to the end goal. So give you an example. We just built our second program. It's called the Recurring Revenue Masterclass. It's only available to people that went through our boot camp. And we offered that uh, to to for the first time in the fall. And you know, we did a huge amount of debrief and uh, insight on how that program went. And, you know, I mean, we did deliver on the promise that we 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 sold to. We had uh, a lot of people had amazing results, but then it was the folks that didn't have results. We really dug in with them, and it turned out that the content that we'd created was just too far weighted to a part of the process that wasn't relevant to the real problem they had. So we had to identify that. We had to completely strip apart the entire program curriculum and redesign it from the ground up, understanding the student journey and making sure that we were having them invest time in the right activities to get them to the end result that we wanted. So like, because we want to scale that program. Right. I mean, we want that to be a, a million dollar plus program a year. And I think if you're looking at that type of, of end result, then I think you have to be extremely critical about your programs. You can't settle for just like this is good enough. Right. If you're trying to actually scale your programs and get that network effect, I mean, it has to be good. OK. So what is your process for or what was your process for developing 10K Bootcamp from planning to launch? What does that look like for you and your team? Uh, you know, early, early planning, I use a lot of stuff from, uh, Ash Maria running lean. So I've mentioned customer development in this, in this call. Um, I use the lean canvas in terms of understanding really what, you know, when you're creating a course and you're trying to sell it, that course really is a product. So you have to really understand that early product development. What are you trying to get out of this? What's the revenue model? Does this really work? Uh, and then, you know, <laughs> the, uh, the first bootcamp was was very much a build the plane while you fly. So we had we had identified a basic course structure, uh, a tempo, a, a cadence, a uh, here's some of the ingredients that we're going to use, um, and then literally week by week we adjusted based on um, what our customers were telling us. So it was, uh, and, and we were like in the studio literally every week making just in time content for that week. Um, I really wouldn't recommend that approach um, unless you have a lot of experience creating courses and delivering that kind of material because it's easy for me to like mind map out like a course or like a a piece of content to solve a certain problem and I'm pretty good at creating like um, you know, some like lesson plan and, and that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm pretty good at doing that really fast and under pressure and then actually getting in the studio and creating that and having the team in place to do that kind of just in time process. So that ended up giving us, um, a pretty good end result. But then before the next 
program, we actually, you know, identified the gaps and we did that all pre-program. And, and these days now we do most of that stuff pre-program. Um, so I don't know if that's enough on process. I mean, yeah, well, I guess what kind of questions do you ask? Like, Cause you said you just, you guys just created a new course. Mm-hmm. So what kind of questions do you ask about the learner journey and just the goals of the course when you're in that planning stage? So a lot of that around, um, you know, what, understanding what problem you're solving. So, uh, you know, thinking about things, um, uh, like understand learning, understanding by design. Is that right? That's that's one of the the books I read. Um, you know, just understanding what that finished story looks like. What are you trying to get them to be able to do by the end of this and then working backwards from there? Um, and then just doing that for your entire course and doing that for each individual module and then being very critical about how those things kind of lead you to that end result. Um, and then the other concept that I've learned that has been really useful for me is is really delivering something more in a spiral approach versus a, a waterfall type approach for content and, and for program. So uh, we've we've pushed everything that we do to, to more of a spiral approach. So let's say, for instance, we know somebody during the course of boot camp, they need to, to build a strategy for their business. They need to learn how to sell and they need to learn how to leverage their time. They need to learn how to adopt a new mindset. So we've got four kind of big buckets of content. So instead of going, you know, kind of our, our old way of doing it with our video courses was huge module on mindset, huge module on strategy, huge module on sales, huge module on leveraging your time and kick them out of the nest, right? If you look at Udemy and you look at the course curriculum, 90% of them follow that framework. The courses are chapters moving through topics. Uh, I basically said, no, the person's living in their business day to day. They have these, they, they hit on these topics every week. So instead of doing a waterfall, we basically spiraled it where they have a week on strategy, a week on sales, a week on leveraging the time, a week on mindset, a week on strategy, a week on sales, a week on leveraging their time, a week on mindset. We keep going deeper every time we do that layer, right? So that was a big shift for us. And, and, and what we found was that we can attack little bits of those topics early in the program so they can start to apply those concepts in their business and then we repeat those pro those, those themes and go deeper, which is a very different structure than you see for any of the video courses online. Um, I had been creating a lot of the video courses I had been doing based on that waterfall methodology. But when you're doing live programming and you're trying to actually get people to take action today, um, yeah, the spiral methodology works much better. So what challenges did you and your team encounter? You know, I mean, I'm thinking of the first time, I'm sure it's, it's evolved, but the first time that you created 10K Bootcamp, what were some of the challenges that you had? Um, the, uh, I, I guess the, the live, so I was the only mentor the first time around, so I was delivering 100% of the programming group. So, you know, probably one of the biggest challenges was not knowing how much, uh, how much energy that was take out of me to deliver you know, two to three hour sessions, uh, like four to six times per week, and then plus trying to produce the content. And, and so it was just kind of chaos. And it was a lot of, uh, yeah. and, and I don't think we delivered as much as we wanted to that first time around, even though we delivered a lot and the people loved the program, there was still a big gap. Uh, and then also some of the technology and tools. And this is actually an important thing um, to think about is we basically ran version one with very little technology and platform support. Um, it was really about the content, the coaching, and the mentorship. Uh, and, and eventually, we started looking at, okay, well, where in this process are we having huge gobs of time sucked up because 
we have like these processes that could be replaced by technology. And then we started thinking about the software and the platform under that uh, framework, not just, hey, I can't launch this course because I need to go build a, a website portal and I need to have the, the most awesome learning management system and I have to have quizzes and challenges and points and gamification. I mean, all that stuff is distracting from the 85% solution, the thing that's going to get your customer really to the end goal that they want as quickly as possible. Um, and, and if I had created my program and I had waited until I had built up this system game uh in this this really cool whiz bang platform um i don't i don't think we actually would have ever made it to to launch um basically from sale to first week of program we had two weeks to deliver enough content and a portal to satisfy the customer's need and we had to make some pretty hard decisions there but the reality was is is that stuff didn't matter as much as we thought it did i mean we have built up some of that stuff over time um but it the reality was is you have to keep thinking about your your learner. Like, what is what are they trying to accomplish in their life? And am I doing as much stuff in service of that? Or am I getting distracted with cool tools and technology? I, I have an acronym I give people. Um, not an acronym. It's, not, it's totally not an acronym. It's just a, a, a simple uh, kind of framework, which is uh, uh, people are greater than processes, which are greater than tools, right? So it's the people first, the people on your team working with your customers directly, maybe even doing the solutions that are not scalable, the concierge MVP, so to speak, the thing that that first time around, you know you're not going to be able to scale it. But that's okay because you're going to learn a ton, right? So the people on my team connecting with my customers, spending as much time with them as possible, and then the next thing that's most important to that is processes, right? So what are the processes? Do we have those mapped out on paper and pen? Can we deliver them with as few tools as possible. And then you start to think about what are the tools and are they serving the processes and are those processes serving the people? Absolutely. I agree with everything you just said. So speaking of learning, before we wrap up, can you give one or two, since you're a marketing guru, can you give one or two marketing (laughs) tactics that you would recommend for people out there who maybe they have an agency and they want to begin teaching, or maybe they're a freelancer and they want to create courses around their expertise? What are a couple marketing things that they can do to get their course out there in front of people? Um, I mean, so, so the first step for me is to start building your list. Uh, and, and we just had a whole session on this with our our our, uh, our 10k community, our, our mastermind community, um, on on email really. And and I've leveraged email as a channel for you know 90 percent of our growth. Um, so building that email list uh, and and to do that, I mean, there's a lot of content out there about lead magnets, about creating like valuable content and things like that. But so a lot of people do that. And then they start to build a list and then they forget this really crucial thing, which is to start to build a relationship with that list. Um, and that really starts, you know, I get this question all the time. Well, how many people should be on my list before I start emailing them? It's like, ah, oh, cool. Like one, right? <laughs> like if you have one ideal customer, you should start to build a relationship with them through email, whether that's literally emailing them one-on-one or if there's 10 people on your list or 50 people on your list um, and, and literally not trying to market to them, but just start to build that relationship with them. Most of my emails I send are text-based emails. You know, I'm just, I'm talking to them. I'm having a conversation. Some of the people choose to engage, some people don't, but you know, we sold our first program. Uh, we had a, you know, 
we sold a six-figure program on an email list that was was barely 500 people. And and I had started to build my relationship with that list uh, a year before I sold anything to them. And I started building that relationship with them uh, even when I had, I think, you know, 25 emails on, on the list. It was like I started emailing them and I started to talk to them and understand what their worldview was. And, and sometimes I'd even, you know, like I would literally send out a message to my list. Somebody would reply to me with like, oh, like, you know, this is what I think about this, or whatever, right? They, they just engage me at some level. And I look at their email address. I copy their the domain from their email address. I pop, put it in a browser. I, I look at their website. I call them on my cell phone. I'm like, hey, you know, John, uh, thanks for that reply. Like, I, I want to talk to you more about that. Do you have 20 minutes? And they're like, they're, they're like whole world just like turn upside down. They're like, I have no idea. Like, I could not imagine somebody ever, you know, calling me. And, and that's totally not scalable, but that's okay because that's not where you're at at that point, right? You're still at that early product development stage. You're trying to really identify problems, identify like where, where your customers are at, right? So I think in terms of a marketing perspective, that those two most important things in my view are, you know, starting to build that list of people that are in your target. Um, and then, uh, you know, starting to communicate with those people to, to learn from them and to build that relationship. Absolutely. Okay, so we're down to the final three questions. First one, what's next for you? Anything exciting coming up? Um, what is next for me? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's always there's always exciting stuff. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is um, we just hired a full time product manager, so I'm kind of getting myself outside, or I'm trying to move myself. Uh, outside of some of those day-to-day responsibilities. Um, and so that's really exciting for me because I want to be out there um, telling the story of you gurus and I'm not able to do that at the full level that I want to be. So that's really exciting for me. I'm hoping by the end of this quarter, so the end of March, um, I'm going to be in a position to uh, be kind of more of a full-time storyteller for you gurus, being on podcasts, maybe hosting a podcast, speaking at events, um, really just standing from the rooftops and, and telling the world about the amazing stuff that we're doing. So that's that's probably the thing that I'm right now most excited about, but uh, it's going to take some work before I get there. Okay. So where can people find out more about you and you gurus? You uh, gurus.com. That's U G U R U S.com. Uh, tons of content information on our website about uh, being a web professional, the problems they face. Uh, you can reach out to me on uh, Facebook is actually probably the, the best way. Um, just facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. Um, or you can, you can drop me an email, Brent at you gurus.com. Yeah, just a, a quick plug. Tons of great resources for any web professionals out there. YouGurus has tons of great f- and free resources for you. So definitely check those out. And I love the videos, by the way. They're really funny. <laughs> so <laughs> last one. What's your why? Why do you get up and do this work every day, Brent? Uh my why is I empower uh, entrepreneurs to grow and create amazing lives. Um, so for us right now, entrepreneurs is, is web professionals. So we're empowering web professionals to grow and create amazing lives. Um, that's kind of our target market. But yeah, that is that is the why. Um, that is something that we uh, it took us a, a while to find. And we're really excited about that. That definitely gets me up in the morning, um, seeing entrepreneurs grow, seeing them overcome challenges, seeing them uh, achieve new things and change things in their life uh, because of things that we taught them or guidance we were able to, to provide to them, people that we were able to connect them to. Um, that is like, you know, we, we ring the gong every time that happens. 
I have to push back a little bit. That sounded a little like a what. Why is that important to you? Why, do, why does that matter? Why does empowering uh, web professionals? Yeah. Why, or? Is, why, is that, why are you so passionate about that? Um, okay, sure, sure. So, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, that, that is my it why. Felt like, and, there were, it felt like, but I want to know, like, what, what, what is it about empowering entrepreneurs that you feel is important work? And that probably comes back to my own personal struggle is that, um, you know, kind of dark night of the soul of my entrepreneurial career. Um, definitely very early on, didn't know what we were doing and put myself through a lot of stress and um, a lot of pain to uh, to build what we've done. And the lesson that I've learned is that I don't think you have to go through that strife. And every time that we help somebody to overcome that, it's like, I feel like this, this, this deep gratification that we either help them get out of the same situation that I was in, or we help them to uh, avoid that situation uh, completely. So that's, I mean, that to me is, I guess that that's, that's my why, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's really where... <laughs> Thank you so much, Brent. This has been great. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, Janelle, anytime. Uh, you're an amazing interviewer. I love these questions. I love your energy. So uh, you just let us know what we can do for you. Absolutely. Welcome to the outro. Before we wrap up, I want to give a huge thank you to Brent for sharing his experience and expertise with us and for trusting us enough to be vulnerable about his Monopoly challenges. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I enjoyed chatting with Brent. As usual, if you're looking for the show notes for this episode and you also want to find the links that Brent mentioned, just head to zencourses.co slash 025. Again, that's zencourses.co slash 025 for episode 25. Just remember it's .co, not .com. Okay, so as I do every episode, I give my top three takeaways. So for this episode, my top three were, number one, does your course actually work? So this is something that Brent said. He said, you know, the question to ask ourselves, the real metric is, does our course work? Does it do what we promise? It's not about sales. Sales is important. If you have a business, obviously sales are important. But at the end of the day, if we're creating online courses and promising results, we need to make sure that those results are happening. And if they're not, then that usually speaks to us needing to go back and redesign things from the ground up with a focus on our learners. So that was number one. Number two, build your list and engage with your audience before you launch. You know, when I asked Brent to give, you know, a marketing tactic, the first thing he went to was build your list, engage with your audience. I think he said that even when he had something like 25 people on his list, he was reaching out to those people via email, sometimes looking them up and calling them. And that works wonders. Like it is so amazing to connect with people who you not only value, but who you want to teach and also who you want to learn from, because that will help you understand who you're creating content for. And that, again, 
is essential. So if you are creating a course and you don't yet have an email list, please, please, please invest some time in setting that up and building an audience. Okay, so number three, use the minimum number of tools at first. Don't get distracted by technology. This is something that Brent said that, you know, if you've been listening and following me, you know that I completely agree with. Focus on your content first. Well, first focus on your learner. Develop your content based on their needs. And that will tell you the content and what your learners need. That's going to tell you exactly what type of technology tools you need. But the key that Brent said is, you know, trying to figure out all of our technology is really a distraction. The focus should be the content. So do that first. Don't get distracted by the tools. So those are my top three. There were plenty more. I hope you got some of your own too. Drop me a line and let me know what your top takeaways were. You can always email me at hello at zencourses.co. Now, before we get out of here, if you haven't been to the Zen Courses site lately, check it out. Right now, I'm doing a daily video challenge to help you make better online course videos. I'm also offering some coaching by request. You can find that on the site under the work with me heading. And as always, if you want to stay up to date, get new articles and hey, let's just be honest. Let's just be best friends with me. (laughs) Join the mailing list. You can sign up over at zencourses.co slash newsletter. Again, that's zencourses.co slash newsletter. If you can't remember that, if you're driving or running or whatever you're doing in your busy life, just head to the homepage, zencourses.co and sign up there. I've put up several resources for you to choose from uh, that you'll get when you sign up. All right. It is that time. As always, thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and lending me your ears for another episode. I am Janelle Allen, and this has been the Zen Courses Show. Have an amazing day.